You say you're the king of this and you're the king of that. You're the king of dog shots. Hitting some good shots on Tom here. He's landing some big shots. Best in the game. Best in the game. Woo! You think you can beat me in a boxing match, do you? He's covering up. Oh my god! That is big. Boom! Dark choke. Dark choke set up from Devin Stanley. They're like the Spartans in 300. Teddy Atlas here. It's the New Line Podcast with Keith No and Elijah Thacker. We are live. We're back, and it is a breakdown episode. I'm here with Keith, Keith No, and we're both going to have a breakdown. We're Mitchell. breaking down the uh, last card, Mount View High School, and we crowned a new king, Jeremy Karshner. Defeated Alex today. Is it not Mountain View High School? Wait, did you say we're doing? I thought you told me we were going to have a breakdown. Yeah, we're both having mental breakdowns. Yeah, that's why I'm here. Yeah, this is the breakdown episode. I thought I'd said Mount Hope again. I was worried. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, no, you just you confused me. I'm here for the breakdown, not to breakdown. (laughs) <laughs> All right, Keith, tell us what's going wrong in your life and then just lose it. Buddy, life's good. <laughs> we had a great card. Life should be good. We had a good Up card. Up on top of a mountain. You can't get more epic than having people fight on top of a mountain. We had people getting lost trying to find it. Uh, Larry Johnson went and both Jamerson brothers ended up in, uh, I think, Shady Spring or something. It was cool um, how you had uh, a lot of the fighters helicoptered in. Right, yeah. Just from the other mountain. I've been pushing to get a New Line helicopter for a long time, and you finally did it. Speaking of the New Line helicopter, we finally got a, uh enclosed trailer ordered. So, so the cage is on the move. The cage is going to be on the move. We're going to be flying it around it. <clears throat> We're going to We're going to be we traveling gotta, from town to town like a yeah. traveling circus. We're going to be carrying the, the trailer with our uh, NLC helicopter. <laughs> We're going to helicopter <laughs> the trailer in. <laughs> oh man. <clears throat> we'll get like we we'll have about like buying a truck but we're like no, you go bigger, you go home. Yeah, we gotta get some some better chains than what we have. I don't. I don't think the the, the hitch. No, you need a you need a big magnet. Haven't you ever seen like a heist yeah. movie? There we go. You get a big magnet and bang, bang. pick up that sucker, and drop it off wherever <laughs> we're fighting. Yep, that's it, man. That's it. We're just gonna have to like build the trailer to where you know it's like it unfolds into the cage, so it's you know, a lot of a lot less work. So you just yeah, drop it, to, drop it in place, and then unfold it, and it's ready to go. We need a cage that's like a transformer that just sets itself up. That's, I think you're on to something, Elijah. Yeah, we need a truck that turns into an MMA cage. Yes, we just park it, and then we're ready to roll. Um, Press think, the button, and boom, we got so a cage. When we finish this call, we're going to work on this. We're going to get a patent, and uh, yeah, we're we're in the clear. <laughs> So, I guess we're ready. We can start. We can start this breakdown now. Um, so yeah, we had a really good card up there. You know, we had a USA Boxing card. Seven, we had seven fights. We had a few that uh, dropped off, but uh, 
we ended up with seven. And then on the state sanction side, the pro-am, we had 12. I think we fell from 20 to 12. But, you know, we still had 19 fights on the night. And it was a really, really good night. We weren't in there too late. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was a good night. That's that's how you know you're getting old. <laughs> Keith's definition of a good night. We weren't out too late. The card ended before <laughs> midnight. I'll tell you, the best, the best card we ever had was – February 8th, 2020 at Logan. We had it at the uh, Chief Logan Lodge. The main event ended at 9.35. I was in the hot tub at like 10.15. That's what I was going (laughs) to ask. This is the one that had the notorious New Line hot tub party, right? Yeah, the hot tub party. Daniel Miller was interviewing people in the hot tub after the event was over. I think we need Uh, to bring back Daniel Miller hot tub interviews. Where are you at, Daniel? We need a mobile hot go? tub just to take to all the fights. <laughs> so that, that's when, what a lot of people are wondering: Where is Daniel Miller? Yeah, where did he go? They saw him in that. They yeah. saw him in those hot tub interviews, and they were like, "This guy's going places." Where's my hot tub interview? That's what they're thinking. So we're gonna have to have a mobile hot one of those little inflatable hot tubs. We'll take it to all the fights, and like you know, you when you exit the cage, you go see the doctor, and then you go to the hot tub. Yeah, Daniel will be Daniel Miller will be sitting there waiting in the hot tub to talk to you. Hey, talk about talk about VIP seating. Just have a cage surrounded by a bunch of hot tubs. Why don't we stop doing chairs altogether and just get inflatable hot tubs? A big bunch of them. I like that, dude. This is like we thought we were doing a breakdown episode. This is like an ideas episode. This, yeah, this is a. We've got we've got some good material here. We've got the truck cage, and then we've got NLC hot tub party. Man, that's how you know you had a good show. You're you're thinking positive. Yeah, all positive we're firing vibes. all on all cylinders. Right now. <laughs> we've we've already got the next card almost completely matched up. We've got a few. Uh, we're leaving like you know enough spots to get some of these other hometown guys on there, but you know we're like halfway uh, halfway full on the card. But yeah, let's get back to this <laughs> this one again. So yeah, it was a good night. So the first fight of the night, we had two guys who go to school together at Westside. We had Caleb Mead and Brennan Rose. Both guys made their debut. I believe they trained together down at uh, Team Tucker and Silverback. Yeah, they're all these guys. Guys have bright futures, man. They went in and put on a put on a show, man. You guys, these guys, <laughs> these guys, and their entire families hate me now. Well, what's funny is you had their names right at the very beginning because when Tim announced Brendan Rose, you were like, "Oh yeah, Brendan Rose. He's got a big. He's got a lot of people cheering for him." Then he announced Caleb, and uh, and then from there you had it wrong <laughs> for the whole fight. <clears throat> the whole fight. Uh, well. I'm gonna. We're on the air right now. I'm gonna have to start giving these after every card, like public apologies. So, Brennan Rose, Caleb Mead. I hope I got your names right there, because if I didn't, it's gonna be really embarrassing. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so Caleb, you know, Caleb took the win, took a decision win. Brennan, Brennan fought hard. Uh, I believe Caleb had a little bit of size on him, and. Uh, but, uh, yeah, man, it was a good match. Um, the next matchup, this was a tough one. We had Justin Burster, who trains – he's from uh, 
He's from Welch, goes to school at Mount View, trains with uh, Black Diamond Boxing Club under, under uh, Jonathan Kuhn. And he fought Nomar D. Jesus, who is from um, Virginia. And uh, I think God Guitardi. I can't remember the name of the boxing club he's with. But now really, you're going to have to do a public apology. Yeah. Sorry, Dallas Brewer. I got your uh, team name wrong there. At least I I kind of remember. Sound sincere. You can't do a public apology and be sarcastic. I'm sorry. See, that was sincere. Yeah. But uh, that's a good gym, man. They got they got a lot of good fighters there. A lot of good pros there. A lot of dudes they were. Up. They looked really sharp. They, you know, they're, uh, you know, the ladies that fought that night. Becca Robinson. Everybody was really high on her, and she took a really close loss against one of their fighters. Yeah, yeah. So our, our next fight. Yeah, speaking of their team, you know, you had Dallas's son, Dallas Brewer's son, Legend Brewer. He boxed Joshua Tilly. Josh is with A Train Boxing Club under Hope McNeely and Butch McNeely over in Mullins, West Virginia. These guys had a really close fight, and uh, was that a uh, was that a split decision for for Josh? I believe it was, and like, what a great fight! Like both those yeah. kids are like big up in commerce. Like both of them, you know, coming in with like tough losses against really tough kids in USA boxing. But you know, I had no idea that that was Dallas's son. That's a that's an even bigger factor. Like I couldn't imagine what it's like cornering and coaching your son in a boxing match. Yeah, his son. I know Billy won't do it. Billy he doesn't Fox have. Do um, so Legend doesn't have as much training as you would think because he kind of got out of it for a little bit. I think he I think he boxed um, three fights when he was like eight years old, and uh, I guess he's like I guess he's like fifteen now, uh, fifteen maybe something like that. He's Gavin's age, but maybe 16. Um, but, yeah, he um, he had three fights, and they were all, like, golden gloves and silver glove fights against elite fighters, you know. And, he, and then he took a few years off and came back, and he's been training for probably less than a year. And then, you know, Josh Josh was just 0-1, but, you know, he his only fight, he had traveled to Myrtle Beach, fought on a big event against a fighter from a big gym, lost the decision there, so – both guys were coming in looking to get their first win, and uh, both of them are good fighters. And uh, and then Josh, I'm pretty sure that was a split decision victory. Um, that was a it was a pretty good fight. Then the next fight, you know, we had two little brothers uh, who are who both have older brothers that are professional fighters. So Ashton Bray from Ohio came in. He's got a his older brother Skylar Bray is a professional fighter. And you had Jacob Haynes, the younger brother of the Rhino, Alex Davis. And uh, man, this uh, Ashton, you you could tell Ashton's got a lot more uh, training than Jacob. Jacob's a little newer to it, and uh, you know, Ashton uh, took the win. Uh, I believe a second round TKO. It's so wild, though, seeing, you know, a kid like Alex Davis's little brother getting into boxing so young. It's yeah. hard to imagine how far he's going to go. Look at what Alex has done in such a short time. Yeah. Uh, he's and getting started late, you know, and we saw, you know, it's that's something we saw. We're jumping at, way ahead here, but, like, 
that's something I want to talk about deep early into this podcast. Like we crowned a new king, a new heavyweight champion, and we saw Alex Davis fall for the first time as a pro. Yeah, his fifth, he you know, made it to his fifth fight before he took a loss and took a loss to a really good fighter. So, and you Jeremy, know, and Jeremy's it, it on a hard. six fight, a six fight winning streak, all knockouts for Karshner. And, and Karshner was on, has been on such an inspiring streak, too. Like, I, I could tell just how much it meant to him after that fight, you know, talking to him, just the way he carried himself after that win. That was a big one for him, big deal to him in his life. Absolutely. And on the other end of the spectrum, you know, we've watched Davis since the very beginning. You know, he's been at New Line. He's been fighting for us. So to see him lose like that, it was really hard, you know, because he's your friend too. Yeah, That's yeah. What he's tough about, you know, fighting in like a regional promotion, working, you know, with all these local guys, like they become your friends and like, Dude, it's hard to watch any guy lose in a fight like that. That, Yeah, that was a tough one for me, man. Uh, that was a fight. You know, both guys wanted that fight. I kind of did not want that fight. You know, I like Jeremy. I like Alex. And, you know, just knowing somebody's going to come out here for, with a loss. It's weird that I'm like, I'm probably the only promoter that's out here like, man, I hope they have a draw. I don't want to see either one of these guys lose. I'm um, like that a lot with like yeah. certain guys that I love. Like you don't want to see either of them because you. I think we. It's because we both fought. Like you know what it is to take a loss in this game. Yeah, it's not easy. I'll, I'll tell you this. Talking to Alex now, like he's like I think he's stepping it up to another level, and uh, he's already talking about you know he's he's wanting to get a rematch. He's ready to get right back in the ring. So I guess he's. He probably has a 30-day suspension, and uh, I think he had to get clear for that eye. I mean, that's what stopped the fight. You know, his eye, one eye was swollen shut, and the other one had blood leaking into it. So, he uh, – Oh, yeah. he. I was, You know, I talked to him in the ring after, and then I talked to him after the fight. He's like, man, I just couldn't see. <laughs> like, yeah. that's why – That's like, once you're in there and you can't see, there's not much you can do. But I'll say this. Alex – might have had the best attitude after taking a loss like that that I've ever seen. Yeah. Like he, he was immediately in the mentality, I'll be back and I'll be back stronger. And I think, you know, he turned pro really early. Mm-hmm. And so those lessons you usually learn at amateur, he's learning them now. Yeah. And I think it's kind of a wake up call in what he needs to do to go forward. Yeah. He turned pro after what, 13 months. I mean, in his first couple of fights, he didn't even train. He was just working full time, working 60, 70 hours a week and then showing up on Saturday night to throw hands. And, uh, and you know, then he, then he went pro thir- literally 13 months after his first fight. Uh, he, you know, he fought a lot <laughs> that time. He had a lot of amateur fights. He was fighting, you know, two, three times a month sometimes, but he was, uh, he, he got his experience, but I mean, going pro after such a short period of time is, is kind of crazy. But also, you know, when you're at that age, you can't stay amateur forever. If you want to go pro, you you don't want to wait till you're 38, 39 and, and, and go pro. Um, well, that's the thing. Like, I think a lot of the doubters and naysayers will be like, well, that's why he shouldn't have turned pro yet. And, and they'll say he got exposed there. But honestly, like, how many guys do you see bounce back from that and come back stronger? Like, that wasn't that bad of a loss. He didn't get yeah. put out cold. And I think he's going to learn and grow from it. I'm looking forward to seeing Alex Davis sure. come back. 
But we got to oh, talk yeah. about our new heavyweight champion a little more, Jeremy Karchner. Oh, yeah. Dude, that guy's a tank. He is. He is. He. Uh, I talked to Teddy Bear, his coach, after that fight. You know, Teddy messaged me, and he's like, what'd you think of it? And uh, basically, I said he looked like an animal. It looked like he was trying to close the show early. Because, <laughs> like, it, it did. Like, the game plan you could see was he wanted to stop Alex early. Yeah, And Teddy said that was the plan. He's like, Alex Davis is dangerous the later it gets into the fight. So I think we saw, like, Davis was, or uh, Karshner was a man on a mission there. And and he it was mission accomplished, man. He took Davis out. It was kind of brutal. Yeah. Yeah, Karshner, Karshner's a, he works hard, man. He works hard for this. He works a lot, too. The guy owns, owns a business, and I know what it's like to own a business. He put a lot of time into it. Um, you know, he, he's a hardworking guy, and then he uh, he fits in training as much as he can. You know, he's got he's got several kids, and he doesn't miss anything that they do. I mean, if somebody's got a concert, somebody's got a ball game, somebody's got practice, he's there. He's so he's you know, he's fitting in training probably in the time that he could be getting some sleep. <laughs> so you know what I really like about Karshner mm-hmm. is I think he's a really inspirational person just because. He's a guy you see everything's clicking for him, you know, yeah. his family life, everything's coming together. All his kids are shining in whatever they're doing. And now he's having success in what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it's about for him. He's in there to, I think he told me, he, you know, he's told me a few times, I'm in here to show my kids that you can do whatever you want to do in life. Yeah. And now look at him. He's our new reigning heavyweight champion. That's a big deal. Yeah, it is. It really is. It was a really unique thing when I watched the pay-per-view back the other day. You know, usually we see Alex. Alex Davis is the one at the end of the main event. He's got all his kids and his family in the ring. They're taking photos. Well, at the end of this one, it was the exact thing, but it was Davis standing in the corner, you know, hanging his head, and it was Karshner with his whole family in the ring taking photos. It was a really wild thing you know that's that's the nature of this sport like it's such a brutal sport like like being the champion being that guy dude it, it doesn't last long sometimes there's so many hungry guys coming after you oh yes and i mean davis every time it was like every time he won a fight man there were more people reaching out wanting to fight him there was a big target on him when you're when you're a local heavyweight and you're getting all the attention and you're three and oh and you know, people uh you know, people, people want to come after you. Dude, people come out of the woodwork. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, after I fought CJ Matthews and I'm like a nobody, and like, I, I had some guy from Kansas, hey, dude, you want to turn pro and fight me? It's like, <laughs> no, no, I don't. No, I don't. I want to, I want to, I'll commentate your fight. <laughs> I was like, I don't need that kind of brain damage in my life, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually, I looked into this, this guy too, and, uh, I've gotten to know him since we're buddies now. He's a big deal. His name's Jody Lincecum. He fights out of Kansas. He's fought since he was a little kid. Back in the day, he fought uh, Tommy Morrison's brother. Wow. But like I say, people people just come out of the woodwork in boxing. It's a weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as your uh, fight result hits online, you start getting phone calls, emails. Yeah. And almost, in my case, almost it, was people, people, it was in my case, it's people like, hey, he sucks. He'd be a great <laughs> profile for me. Yeah, I almost had a, 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 a tough fight and uh, I accepted it. I was I was wanting the fight, but they ended up finding somebody that would do it cheaper. 
you know, I was one and oh and hadn't been training at all. And so, you know, $70,000 fight with some high level, fight. Like, yeah, 70 grand. I don't that's, care. Who that's it why is. they called you Keith. Show me the money. No, back in the day. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then somebody else did it for 60. Like, well, I would have done it for 60. <laughs> But whatever, I'm done now. Like I don't, I don't care. Um, so let's talk about the rest of this card. We had a lot of yeah. Great so we so the next fight, fights on this card. Yes, yeah, so we had uh, Devin Allen uh, came from Advantage uh, Advantage MMA in um, was that uh, Blueville, Princeton. Yes, and, sir. Uh, that's in Princeton, West Virginia, under a good man there. Yep, Derek Lambert. The redhead himself. I've got a funny story about Derek Lambert before we start. At that event, I was talking to Derek, and uh, he came up to me, and he was like, (laughs) he's like, hey, man, we had such a great conversation last time we talked. And I talked to him at that uh, Pikeville event, and I'd done a little too much celebrating, and I was like, I have no memory of talking to this man. (laughs) And he was like, wait, what? You don't remember? He's like, we talked for like an hour. And so, uh, yeah, apparently I became friends with Derek Lambert, and I don't even remember it. That was the, also the same night you pulled guard in a bar in a bar fight. So, Yeah, that's the same night we fought like eight, eight bikers. So, like, I don't remember that much of that either. But apparently yeah. I made some friends as well as enemies that night. <laughs> So yeah, Devin Allen uh, was coming off of a fight with Philip Fox uh, back in January, and he took on James Rivera. James was uh, originally scheduled to fight Philip, and uh, you know Philip got really sick leading up to the fight, and then he finally got back in the gym, and then uh, tweaked the muscle, and you know that put him out. And then Devin Allen stepped up to fill the spot, and uh, those guys had a uh, you know a three round war, which uh, Rivera won. Um, you know, I, I've got to say that was my uh, favorite fight of the USA boxing card, I think. James Rivera is dangerous. Yeah, he got some power. I, I, I thought that fight ended by stoppage, actually. But I, I, I guess I'm, you know, it's all such a blur. I just, I remember he dropped him. He dropped Allen bad. Yeah. He came in. He looked like, you know, he's got that, like, Mike Tyson style. And uh, he's a really interesting fighter. You don't see guys with that old school boxing style very much, you know, around here in local regional MMA. Yeah, I scouted him out a little bit um, before I matched him up with Philip, and uh, I let him know I was like he's he looks dangerous. He's got a really brutal right uh, right overhand. So his coach uh, is Steve Cross up mm-hmm. there. It's Tommy Thomas Boxing Club, isn't it? Yeah, that he's out of. I know Steve Cross. I've been getting to know him. He works for USA Boxing. That mm-hmm. guy is an absolute class act. He is. And, like, he reminds you of those, like, old school trainers, like, you know, that you see in movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and, Rivera's, and, and Rivera's you see in his good hands. Has that, like, Rivera has that old school style. It's really cool to watch. Yeah. I hope we'll see him back sometime. Yeah, for sure. And we oh. saw Allen, you know, he, he was he fought Philip Fox the fight before that. And Allen had his moments in that fight against Fox. So he, he's no pushover. That was a tough fight. 
Yeah, these are both both tough fighters. Then uh, our our next fight, we had uh, a youth uh, boxing two little girls. We had Elena Henderson from uh, Welch fights out of uh, Black Diamond Boxing Club. She took on Catherine Boyko. Uh, trains under Sarah Armenti, I believe. I'm not sure where they're from. I'm thinking Ohio or Virginia. I'm not sure. But uh, two tough little girls. I believe that ended up in a, a third-round stoppage, like late late in the third round. They almost went the distance. Um, and then Catherine, that was such Catherine a fun fight. Like I always love seeing the kids compete because you see, like, it's it's a different emotional level than you see with the adults even. Yeah. Like, and they're so hungry. And yet that girl, man, Boyko was so technical. Yeah. Like, that girl's going places. And how old was she again? Mm, maybe, maybe 13, 12. I think, I think they were actually 11 and 12. That's so crazy. I couldn't yeah. imagine being that good of a boxer at that age. Oh, no, no. They would have beat me up when I was that Can age. Can you imagine? Walking through school and knowing that you could light everybody in there up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I kind of thought that I, I had that idea when I was growing up, but um, I probably I'm sure there was somebody if they tested me could have got me. <laughs> but it would I'll tell you what what would have been tough is you know if you're in a boxing gym and uh, you're walking this you know your little fifth grade boy walking the hallways and you got somebody like her in there and you know she could light you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the boys are gonna have to be real careful around that one yeah she's oh, yeah. not gonna take any crap from anybody no <laughs> she'll lay them out um then the the main event for the usa boxing this was a, a very good fight two very technical fighters Ed becca robinson uh from lexington trains with thrive tribe under uh, her husband bj robinson who's a very good professional fighter. Uh, Becca fought, uh, is it Gannat Rafiq? Uh, she trains Janot. Yeah. And she's another one trains with Dallas Brewer. That was, uh, Janot's first fight. And, uh, I was very impressed. He told me, he told me that Janot's had a ton of sparring. So, I mean, that's her first time getting to compete, but she's had a ton of sparring, you know, with, the, you know, like open gyms, you know, sparring with other gyms and like a ton of sparring. So, not exactly your, your typical debut fighter, but, uh, you know, I believe Becca came in with a six and two or seven and one record coming into that. But, uh, you know, like other than, other than having those, uh, those sanctioned fights, you know, they very similar experience and, um, training level coming into that fight. And they you couldn't have really been, see, couldn't have been any really more different. Not had been putting in the work and sparring yeah. just because she didn't, she looked so calm in there for a first time fighter. Like, Honestly, I didn't know that was her first time in there, and I'm kind of shocked by it. Yeah. You know, they couldn't have been any different style-wise either. And, and you know, Janot walked away with the decision. It was a very close fight. Some people weren't happy with it. You know, when I was watching it, I kind of thought it went the other way, but she had some really great moments and landed some mm -hmm. absolute bombs. She's got a lot of power, throws some big hooks. Yeah. Yeah, they both had moments in that fight. Um, Becca is more like a like it was like an Ali and a Tyson, you know, like style us. It really was. It was almost like Ali Frazier. I'd compare it yeah. to, yeah, because she was like <laughs> Becca was or Janot was the shorter fighter. She mm -hmm. had those moments where she would land those big hooks and roll and weave, but like you had Becca picking her apart with straight punches. Yeah, 
So that was a really good fight and uh, would love to get them, you know, back on the card at some point. Um, and then we move on to our pride style MMA in the ring fight. Correct. <laughs> the main yep. card starts and we got Eric Mon. He's in MMA against Cole Ward. What a fight. Yeah, man, this is another one of those fights you, you hate to see either guy lose it. You know, I've become friends with both of these guys. And um, Eric's a part of our team here at New Line. He's one of our event coordinators now. Um, he couldn't really do it on that event because he was fighting. Um, but, uh, you yeah, know, he offered to, but I was like, no, you need to rest. Um, so and he took on Cole Ward. And, you know, Cole is a guy who, in his debut, which has been a year, actually, yeah, one year from, you know, from this fight. Uh, he fought uh, March 12th last year and fought uh, Czar Parrish. And that was that was a really rough night for Cole. And uh, since then, you know, he had a he did a boxing match, took home a, and took a draw with a with a really tough fighter, and then he won a won an MMA fight with a first round TKO, and then he came into this fight with Eric. And uh, I mean, this was a, a really good back and forth fight. Eric was probably up on the scorecards, and I, Cole probably knew he had to finish the fight there at the end to win it. And, uh, and he did. <laughs> Dude, it was crazy. Like, that was one of those, like, turning of the tide moments, like, that you don't expect to happen in MMA. Eric, in the at the end of that second round, looked so dominant. He had, like, the coolest end-of-the-round moment I've maybe yeah. ever seen. When he just threw him down and then put his hands up and walked away, that was so cool. <laughs> and then the very next round, he gets tapped. Like, oh, my well, God, Eric. <laughs> funny story about that little walk-away moment. Um, Eric forgot he was in an MMA fight. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he thought it was a knockdown. Yeah, he thought he had a knockdown with it. It was like a leg kick or like leg sweep or something. He thought he had a knockdown and was walking away with his hands. He, he told me that <laughs> he literally forgot it was MMA. Otherwise, he would have turned around and hit him. That is so funny. Yep, because <laughs> I asked him about that. I'm like, dude, why didn't you follow up? I was like, man, I forgot it was MMA. <laughs> I talked to uh, Cole Ward after that fight, you know, in the ring, and he told me he's he's like, man, I've been training Figure Four Fight Academy. Those are the guys I started with. You know, that's where I got my jujitsu. You know, it used to be Pikeville Combat Sports, but uh, you know that that arm and guillotine. I knew as soon as he wrapped it up. Like, I knew he had it because he was doing it right. Most people don't do it right. You know, they'll – it's way different than a regular guillotine. With that one, you, you like – you arch your back and, like, stretch. With this one, you, like, crunch. And he was doing it perfect. I was like, Eric's in big trouble. Yeah. And you see Cole got the tap. And I, I don't think anybody expected that. Like, I didn't know Cole had jujitsu skills. I didn't know he'd been putting in work with those guys. Yeah, yeah. Ever since that first fight, he's been putting it in, man. Uh, he learned, because he learned a lesson that night. You know, I need to get some jujitsu, some wrestling, and uh, those are that's those are. Uh, I think those guys are maybe what 30, 40 minutes from his house, so yeah, he gets over there as much as he can and gets the work in. And we know we know what their guys look like with guillotines. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're a product of that. But I was really happy for Cole. You know, like you said, it was a year, like almost to the day where he took that bad loss, and it was because of great grappling. I think you know he took, yeah. he learned a lesson there, and we've seen him win two fights now with grappling. Yep. 
So yeah, pretty cool to see, man. Big improvement from you know March 11th or March 12th of 2022, and then he did this fight March 11th, 2023. So you know, all within a year, he had a a big jump in uh, skill level, and uh, he's a lot more confident in himself now going forward too. So I like to see. Well, that. I think he and Eric both are an example of why you can't give up. Like even if you take a bad loss in your first fight, you keep going. If you work hard, look what can happen in just a year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, moving on down. All right. Now we're moving on to the next fight. We had uh, two new guys. Now, Bobby Horn from Gilbert and Jacob Oliver uh, in Charleston, West Virginia. Both guys were making their debut. They were scheduled for an MMA fight. We had an issue with uh, the blood report not showing uh, something that needed to be on there. So, uh, we had to switch it to boxing. And uh, for some reason, the commission would not approve it for two minutes. They said we had to do one-minute rounds. So they said the guys didn't have enough fights to do two minutes. Um, that still doesn't make sense. It but doesn't anyway. make sense either. Usually, usually all amateur fights are twos. By rule, the amateur fights are two-minute rounds, and after your third fight, you can go up to three-minute rounds. So. Uh, Inexplicably, we've got this one-minute showdown with Mr. Horn. And I'll tell you this, <coughs> Bobby Horn is like a uh, prodigy when it comes to head movement. Dude had no training yeah. whatsoever, but th- that guy has the most unique yeah. head I asked him about I that. I was just wondering, you know, what kind of you know, athletic background he had. He played football. That's it. I was it trying was to figure really it out. Yeah. Like, he was really hard to hit. Like that guy had a lot, a lot of trouble tracking him down. Yeah. Bobby looks like one of those dudes that you just can't hurt, too. That's the like thing, you'll, too. You'll, you'll have to shoot him. The thing about him was the reason he was able to move so well is like he didn't have that flinch you see a lot of guys have in their first fight. Like yeah. he wasn't really afraid to get hit. That's why he took so many risks with his movement. Yeah. And he didn't take a lot of hits. Um, and, you know, Jacob Oliver, he, he trains with, uh, Butch Howells in Charleston. So, you know, he's with a good team, got a lot of good people around him, and uh, he, he's got some training. Um, he's not from here. I believe he's just stationed in the area you know, where he's in the military. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's not originally from West Virginia. Um, he looked good for a first-time fighter. He did. He looked floppy. He, yeah. he looked like the more clean boxer in that fight. But he mm-hmm. was fighting a guy that just fought so weird, like he could. It was hard for him, like to figure it out. Yeah, but you, but Bobby's athletic too. You know, he he didn't have like that fundamental skill for boxing. You can tell he's brand new to it. Uh, and Bobby was a little upset. He didn't want to box. He's not trained for boxing. Yet. He was wanting to fight MMA. Like, he doesn't really come from a, a grappling background either. But you know, he was ready to <laughs> take somebody down and. Uh, and uh, just just throw down, fight. You know, he he didn't want to box. He was a little upset about. Man, it. he he was in there looking like Nicolino Locho with that head movement. Yeah, yeah. I had fun watching that fight. Yeah, um, yeah, it was a, it was an impressive fight, man. Uh, hope hopefully we can get both of those guys back. I know Jake. Well, Oliver's like for for their good. skill level, it was impressive. That's the thing. Yeah, like we had yeah. Two first timers. Card, but I think they all showed a little bit of something. You know. Yeah. So moving down to the next fight, we had, um, you know, we, Theo Acord came back and uh, he's coming into the fight with a one on one record. And uh, 
he fought Chance Food Truck Evans, who came down from Indiana. Yeah. I called him Lunchbox. Uh, you call him Lunchbox? <laughs> yes, food, yes, food truck. Food truck. <laughs> Lunchbox <laughs> is uh oh shoot, the dude that trains with Ricky Luckadoo down in South Carolina. He fought Rick Randolph back in April. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another <clears throat> apology. Mr. Food Truck, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call you Lunchbox. The whole Mr. Fight. Food Truck, I'm sorry. <laughs> these guys put on a war, man. Uh, these guys had a war, rather. Um, Chance, dude, he took some bombs and just kept coming. And, dude, uh, that guy has the best chin I have ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I, after that fight, I was like, man, we got to get him against Nick Fisher. <laughs> That's exactly. I got in the ring with him, and I was like, dude, that was awesome. You have to yeah. come back and fight for us again. Just because, like, he's, he's a character, dude. You saw him getting absolutely hit with bombs, and then he would just shake his head at Theo. Yeah. And he hits like a truck. You could see in the beginning he hurt Theo a little bit. He did. And, I, like, he was just waiting for his moment that whole fight. But Theo didn't give it to him. He fought so smart. Theo, of course, is the real deal. I really like watching yeah. him. Big fan of him. He's a guy I definitely wouldn't want to fight. He's dangerous. <laughs> he is. And he he figured out he's got to uh, create a little space and uh, pick his shots and move. And uh, he did that. And he, it looked like he was getting tired from doing it. But, you know, he he changed his entire strategy mid-fight to, uh, to adjust to a guy that he just couldn't hurt. And, well, that's uh, the thing. Like, I think you hit anybody with those kind of shots, and you're you're throwing that many shots, you're going to gas, and like, yeah, you just couldn't put that dude away. No, and so he he had to fight smart, and he did, and mm -hmm. it, it couldn't have been a better performance. Yeah, he had a he had a speed advantage, and uh, he, he definitely definitely took advantage of that. So it was well, a, it was it a was smart a lot, move. It was <clears> a lot <throat> like his fight with with Spalding, you know. Mm -hmm. Really similar opponent there, and you see how he's gotten smarter and he's grown as a fighter. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, he's he's climbing right up the rankings, man. So uh, <clears throat> moving down to the next fight, we have a first timer here from Panther, West Virginia, Dakota Bailey. He got in there with Larry Johnson, and they uh, they had a boxing match, and uh, uh, I mean that was that was a really competitive fight as well, and. Uh, you know, Larry, Larry was a little upset with the decision, thought he took it home. Um, honestly, I haven't really like scored it myself, but you know, I don't, I don't, I don't do that much anymore. I, I enjoy the fights. So, but, uh, yeah, that was a, that was a good match, man. Those guys came in and it was a pretty, you know, it was Larry's first boxing match. You know, he had a, he had a kickboxing match, um, not what well, back in December with David Mullins. He had a, had a close fight with Dave, and then he uh, came out and had this close fight uh, with Dakota as well. And uh, you know, it's it's it was two guys that you you know they're they're just getting started. They're beginners. You know, you can tell they're just starting out in the sport. But that was an even matchup, yeah. and that's what made it fun. Yeah, it's 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 you know this is something I've seen. I don't know if it's like this everywhere, but a lot of the other states around West Virginia. Most of these dudes are training six, eight months before they take their first fight. You know, like, but Larry and Dakota, you know, Larry's never trained before, and that's his second fight. Dakota, he he doesn't train with anybody, and then he got in there. So these, a lot of these guys are, you know, they're getting four or five fights before they even train. Uh, Jacob Ray's another one. He's had like twenty fights, and he's trained five times. 
it's funny. It's you don't you only see a lot of these those type of guys start training until they take a bad loss, and they're like, "Hey, yeah. maybe I should actually work on this." <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just like Cole Ward. You know, took a really bad loss with Zara, and he's like, "I have to learn how to do this." So, Larry, uh, you know, Larry is about to start training in uh, in uh, Hearts at the uh, the Underdog uh, Boxing Club, and uh, so. You know, looking for Larry to start getting better. They they're bringing in a lot of people there. They're you know those guys are training consistent and uh, you know it's going to be good I to see Larry get with them. Yeah, if you're in the Hearts Creek area, check out Underdog Boxing Club. I uh, I, I birthed that place, man. It feels like my <laughs> baby, like uh, it came from my body. <laughs> so yeah, so Dakota took a took a decision win there and. Uh, Dude, the dude was thrilled. I mean, that, the emotion on that guy, it was it was pretty cool to see. Um, moving down to the the uh, fifth fight on the Pro-Am here, we had Zach Shrewsbury from Welch. Uh, he trains at the uh, Black Diamond Boxing Club with Jonathan Kuhn. Made his debut against Tyler Grimmett from Man, West Virginia, who also made his debut. And Tyler is another guy that trains with all the dudes there in Oceana, Silverback and Team Tucker. Um and these guys had a really good fight. And, uh, you know, Zach Shrewsbury came out on top. Um, this was just a, just an awesome, awesome fight. You know, first off, I just – I don't know why. You keep saying Jonathan Kuhn like you're so proper. <laughs> to me, think, he's all, to Scott. me, he will always be old Scotty Kuhn. Old Scott. Well, anytime I talk to people that that are, like, outside of our group, they don't know who I'm talking about. So I kind of started saying Jonathan. <laughs> well, everybody that's outside our group, if you're listening to this, I want you to know that's old Scotty. Kim. All right. All right. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll call him Scott on here. <laughs> we will say Jonathan. We won't say Mr. Coon. We won't say Coach Coon. It's Scott. We'll say Connie's boy. Connie's boy. Beam me up, Scotty. <clears throat> um, yeah, so that was, that was a good fight, man. Uh, both guys made their debut. You know, Tyler's a big athletic guy. I believe he was at uh, an athletic standout at Mingo Central High School. Um, and uh, but you know Zach Zach Shrewsbury had a little more training and uh, came out on top. Both guys were exhausted and they were talking to each other in there, but it wasn't trash talk. You know, they, both guys were like, "I'm tired," and the other guy's like, "I'm tired too. <laughs> Let's fight." <laughs> I it's really crazy, you know. Watching that fight, calling it was nuts. I got fired up in that one because Shrewsbury fought with nothing but heart. He gassed after like the first minute of that fight. You could tell yeah. he was absolutely done. And, you know, I talked to Scott after the fight. And Scott was like, he he, he holds his breath. That's why he got tired. Because I, I thought something was wrong. I was like, dude, was he not able to train? What's going on? He's like, he holds his breath. And uh, so... Like he dug deep in that fight to get that win yeah. against the guy who's going to be really tough. Tell me if yeah. I'm wrong, Keith. Was that not the fellow that went bowling on our NLC bowling night? That was him. That's what I thought. Yep. And, uh, you know, when I saw him that night, I was like, this guy's going to be dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Huge athlete. What's he, 6'4, 6'3, 6'4 at least? Yeah, he's like six. He's, I think he's taller than I am. So he's probably 6'4, six, 6'4 four, six, four and a half. Got, got some long arms, athletic Both guy. He's just like brand new. Like, yeah. I was looking at Shrewsbury before the fights. I was like, this guy's intimidating me. Yeah. He was, he's one of those. 
certain guys have that intensity about them before fighting that. He was one of them. I was like, Shrewsbury, I don't want to mess I, with I, Shrewsbury, I'll tell you that it was funny because he looked he was walking around looking like like, man, I'm a badass. You know, like honestly, oh, no. he was like he was scared to death, dude. That <laughs> was just he was he was like frightened, and that's why he looked so mean. <laughs> it's a defense mechanism. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, told I, him, I tried to I tried to talk to him once, and he kind of blew me off. <laughs> and then, and I I called him out on. I was like, "Man, you blew me off earlier when I was trying to talk to you." He's like, "Man, I, it's like I, I didn't even see you, man. I'm scared, just so nervous." <laughs> um, there's a lot of emotions, man. There's a lot, you know. There are there are dudes that down there that's not nervous. They're just pissed off, ready to go. Like some guys see their opponent, they just see red, and some guys get scared. I was one of those guys. I always got scared, man. I was like walking around scared to death of everybody. It's weird. I've felt both. Like my first fight, I was like just so focused and intense and ready to roll. Other two fights, like I was a nervous wreck mess. Yeah. yeah. There's a range of emotions that go into that. I'm, I'm sure we've talked about that on here a lot, but big range of emotions. Um, let's see our next fight. This is a fight. Uh, so this, this is a, this was kind of wild. You know, we matched the fight up. Dalton Eastep, 1-0. Vinny Basie was 2-3. and three. And, uh, you know, Vinny's like 2-3 and three within a month of this fight. Well, then Vinny goes on an absolute tear, like, like three weeks in a row. He fights in a tough man, wins that. Fights another tough man, wins that. Then fights that rough and rowdy brawl, wins this fight there. He goes 6-0 and oh in three weeks. So, Vinny goes from, you know, being 2-3 and three to being 8-3 and three coming into this fight against 1-0 and oh Dalton. A lot of people were counting Dalton out. I, w- I wasn't one of them. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't saying, yeah, Dalton's going to win. But um, I was over here like, man, this is – I think this is a really good match. I know it's 1-0 versus 8-3, and three and people are counting them out. But, like, not me. Like, I think I think it was a really – it was going to be a really good fight. And because um, I, I knew Dalton was a little more technical. And uh, Vinny's – you know, Vinny's – Getting technical, he's only been training for nine months, but Vinny's Vinny's really coming along. Um, but uh, and you know, that was one of those cool moments, man. Like when, like, when people were doubting them, you know, I heard you, you know, I was with you setting up all the fights, I heard you on the phone, you know, when people were kind of doubting the fight, like, dude, look at his record, look at Dalton's. You were like, man, I think Dalton wins this fight, it's a good fight for him, and I think Dalton even, uh, I think Dalton even doubted himself a little, you know, talking to him before the fight. He was worried. He's like, dude, that guy's tall. But uh, yeah, he's shining that one. Vinny looked great, too. That was a pick I had for fight of the night, and it really it, it turned out to be one of the best fights of the night. Yeah, for sure. That was one of the best fights we've ever had. Um, yeah, I, I was talking to Dalton's coach, you know, like, what, two days before the thing, and I was like, I'm not going to say he's going to come out and win, but, dude, this is, this is a, a close fight. Like you guys could win this. Yeah, I mean, this is a fight that could go either way. I'm not gonna say he's gonna win or he's this guy's gonna win or that guy's gonna win, but like even though one guy had eleven fights and one guy had one, like I truly believe this is a really good matchup. Like I hate that one dude had ten more fights than the other guy. You know, that was kind of out of our hands. You know, he had a lot of fights leading up to that. You know, like, I hate so saying yeah, anything it was a great nice. matchup. I hate saying anything nice about Dalton Eastup. I hope he's listening. But, uh, you know, he's my buddy. I like to give him a hard time. But Dalton, I think we both saw, and I think all of us saw in his first fight, that kid's got a lot of potential. Yeah. 
and like he needed a big test, and Vinny was that big test, and he passed oh, with sure. flying colors. Yep, yep, he did. Um, that's going to benefit his career in the long run. Mm-hmm. You get tough, getting tough fights like that earlier in your career. That's that's definitely going to help, man. Well, I sure. think right out of the gate, you want to fight the toughest guys you can. That's how you know what you're made of, and that's how you know if you really want to do this. Like, dude, t- look, <clears> talking <throat> to Pat Militage in that last one, like that I asked him one one piece of advice you'd give to all these young fighters. He's like, you need to be all in. He said, if you're not, this game will eat you up and sp- spit you out. Yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot, and it's it's the truth. We see a lot of guys, like you say, that aren't training and stuff. This is not the sport you, you want to half-ass. Right. But then you see guys like Dalton who are ready to take on the toughest challenges. And, like, these are the guys you're going to see make it to the top. These are the guys you keep your eye on. Like Philip Fox fighting that, you know, tougher and tougher guys every fight. That's how it's supposed to work. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to wait till you're a pro to to fight guys like that. If if the first time you face adversity is when you're professional, like, that's not going to end well. When we've seen that happen, we've, you know – you know the path to success in this sport because it, it's happened so many times before. You see how champions are built, you know, throughout boxing history. Yeah. All right, and moving on to the next fight, we have uh, we have Brittany Vaughn and uh, Gita Marie Figueroa in a kickboxing match. Um, this fight went to a split decision in favor of Gita. This was a really competitive bout. Um, and uh, I mean, the ju- judges had it right, but you know, like that was that was a really good fight. Brittany, Brittany fought hard. Gita fought hard. Uh, definitely one of the more competitive fights of the night. I mean, there were a lot of competitive fights, and uh, both ladies like ended the night with so much respect for each other. I think mm-hmm. they walked into that fight with a lot of respect for each other. You know, Gita oh, yeah. came all the way from Miami. You know, it was cool seeing her travel, you know, to West Virginia with her family. You know, her mom and dad were there. And you could tell she looked up to Brittany a lot. And I think fighting her was a big deal. Yeah, Brittany is, uh, you know, like a path setter in the sport. Brittany's uh, definitely a pioneer for uh, uh, transgender combat sports athletes. And uh, so Gita has been following, you know, what Brittany's doing for a while. And, uh, and, uh, you know, it, so Gita said it was an, an honor to get to fight Brittany. And, uh, you know, some people say don't meet your heroes. And then Gita's like, I want to meet my hero <laughs> and fight her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they had a really good fight. You know, the crowd crowd enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was really competitive. Um, it was a just really good fight, man. I'm glad we were able to make it happen. The uh, video should be dropping soon on YouTube. Uh so if anybody missed it, you know, it'll it'll be up soon. Um but yeah, you know, hope hope to uh get both of these fighters back in the future and uh um you know just see where they can go from here. We're gonna have to start sending the NLC helicopter to Miami to pick up Gita though. Yeah, that That's would a make a long trip. Yeah, that would really help with logistics. Um maybe grab a few others on the way. Um yeah. Let's see. Then uh, the next fight we have uh, in boxing, we had uh, Matt Blankenship versus Jeremy Browning Jr. 
And uh, that was cool to see, you know, Jer- Jeremy Browning Sr. is a former pro fighter here with us. And, uh, you know, now he's cornering his son. And also his uh, his daughter is going to be doing some USA boxing soon. So looking, uh, I mean, it's going to be a whole family affair soon. It's a whole fighting family in the Browning house. <laughs> the Brownings of hearts. Just the fighting, the fighting family of West Virginia. But you know, Jeremy, he took a tough loss in this one up against a very tough guy in Matt Blankenship. Absolutely. And Jeremy think- was doing well right up to the end. I mean, Matt, you know, Matt hurt him like and it and it ended pretty quick, you know, but it was I think Matt throughout <laughs> the whole fight though, you could tell he was the sharper guy. Yeah. I think he and it, it showed that he'd been fighting tougher competition. That guy fought Chandler Carver. That guy's fought some really tough people in some close decision wins. He fought Zar Parrish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a, I've got a funny story about this fight. After the fight, you know, uh, Matt came up to me and he's like, man, I thought you didn't like me. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about, buddy? And I think, you know, it's all those close decision wins. I think he thought I didn't like him because I thought some of them had went the other way. But I was like, dude, I'm a big fan of you. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's the best he's ever looked, dude. He was sharp in that fight. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, some of the kids that did the USA boxing the, after the fight, after Matt's fight, they were like, "Matt is the coolest math teacher ever." <laughs> so, yeah, some of the students up there at Westside were saying that they were they were pumped to uh, to see their teacher in the ring fighting. But, uh, yeah, Matt's getting Matt's getting better, man. And I mean, Matt's another guy you know works a lot, puts in a puts in a lot of time, but, you know, he trains when he can. And, you know, the first time we saw him compete, he was up probably closer to 215 pounds. And I believe now he's around 190. He's a little quicker now, looking better, getting sharp. And he's uh, improved to 4-0 and now. And um, I think he's one of those guys, like, he jumped right into the pool, into deep water. Oh, yeah. He's first toughest guys and learning as he went. And now we're seeing it all come together. Yeah, for him and him and Chandler both their first fight with each other. You know, we had, you know, we had no idea what we were getting into with that fight. Like we knew, like I had never seen Chandler, but I had heard he was good. But you know, he was he was going to be a debut guy, and then Matt. You know, we knew he was an athlete. Uh, and uh, but both guys, you know, since that night, both guys have been on an absolute tear, and uh, I think their their paths are leading back to each other. Matt's going to be out for a few months, but. Um, he's going to be looking for that title shot later in the year. Um, and speaking of Chandler, Chandler's got a big fight. I, I, I don't even think you know about this. Have you heard about I don't Chandler's know about fight? this. I was getting ready to say, can we talk about what's next for Chandler Carver? But I guess so, you might already know. Yeah, I already know. So Chandler is what, sitting at three and one now, and uh, his last few fights have fell through, and we haven't seen him compete since, what, October? No, September, uh, when, he, when he fought Jeff Holsinger. Um, but yeah, uh, Chandler, who is now our champion, will be defending his title against James Blankenship. Oh, I think He's I played a May thirteenth in this one. James Blankenship. So James James has been fighting a heavyweight, but he's a small heavyweight. James is coming in like two hundred eight, two hundred ten pounds for every fight, not cutting any weight, and um, so he's been talking about dropping down to cruiserweight for a while, and uh. Now it's happening. Um, you know, Chandler's you know, got Chandler's got all kinds of Blankenships out. You know, <laughs> want a shot at him now. Matt Chris, Blankenship, Chris Matt, Blankenship. Yeah, whenever 
whenever Chris's nose is ready, Chris will be back in there. So and he, Chandler's going to have to fight all the blank and chips. His re, and, you're going to look at Chandler's record, and it's just going to be all blank and chips. Yeah, for and I don't year. think any, I don't think any of them are related either. <laughs> They're just They're coming out of the of woodwork them. though yeah. to fight young Chandler Carver. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's going to be a few more blanket chips before you know before we ch- see Chandler move on. I think we knew though this was James's time, and right after this big win he had, he came up to me. He's like, "I'm ready for Chandler. I'm ready for that cat- that cruiserweight belt." Yeah, I think this is my time. He said, "I know Chris is going to be out for a while. I know Matt's uh, going to be out for a while. I think my time's now." And uh, yeah. I think he's really confident going into that title shot. He is. He is. Um, he's uh, he's wanting it. He's he's ready. Um, you know, James is five and zero, oh, so he's uh, he's definitely ready to jump up in into fights like this now. And, and uh, I'm I'm interested. Be a real test for Chandler. I think it'll be the biggest test <laughs> of his boxing career so far. Yeah, James is and, a guy. Like we say, he's a big. He was a heavyweight, and he carried big power heavyweight. James has James has seen some some tough fights, and and he's prevailed in all of them. Uh, I mean, he fought Michael Watts, and you know, that's Michael's one of the better fights in the area. That was um, an absolutely close close war. Yeah, and James looked really sharp in it. Yeah, and then uh, and then his his last opponent Heath Griffith. You know Heath came into the fight twelve and five. He was a I believe a two time tough man champion, and uh, you know James made it through that fight. Looked solid. Well, it, you know it only went the one round, and uh, uh, I believe he had, was it a, a pec muscle or a shoulder that that he that put Heath out. But you know James was looking good. Man, Heath was an absolute monster in there though. That yeah. guy is dangerous. He had that huge right hand. Yeah. And, you know, I called that fight with Butch McNeely, and Butch had trained the guy. Mm-hmm. And he said it coming in. He said he's got one thing, and it's that right hand. But he said it's it's dynamite. Yeah. And you could see True. James had to be really smart in that first round. And yeah. I think, and I think James ended up hurting Eve with his right hand. Yeah, James, James is a smart guy, man. He'll he'll make adjustments mid-fight and uh... – uh, switch and you know because James didn't really know much about Heath going into that and you know Heath had 17 fights but I, I could only find video of one of them online and, and you really couldn't see much because it was his MMA fight and he took the guy down and pounded him out so there really wasn't much to see on the feet so it's really strange you know I've been you know watching this card back and you watch all these guys from like this lineage of Chris Blankenship and Silverback mm-hmm. and every single one of them fights the exact same they all use that Philly shell style and they remind you of each other a lot and they they make it work really well. It's fun to watch those guys. Oh yeah. Team of the year last year and uh, they're well on their way to win it again. They've won a lot of fights already in uh, 23. Um, so we're going to move on to the next fight. Um, <clears throat> the return of Tyler Gerald. And uh, Tyler had a kickboxing match with Larry Balus Gillespie, and uh, you know this was the battle of the giants. What six foot eight, six foot seven, and uh, you know Tyler uh, Tyler made quick work of the fight. Um, you know Tyler's a former Division One lineman at the Ohio State University, and he made it. Uh, I don't know. 
he's been out with a broken hand ever since his debut. He, he won his first fight, broke his hand in that fight, and in a brutal beatdown of his opponent, he broke his hand, and uh, he's been itching to get back in there ever since. And um, big red. And, uh, and you know, we saw a lot of uh, a lot of patience out of out of him in this fight. Uh, we saw a lot of uh, something really unique in this is like. A lot of guys, when they see their opponent is hurt and doesn't don't want to be in there, they go in for the kill because they want yeah. that highlight reel finish. Tyler, you could tell, didn't want to hurt the guy. He kept looking at the ref. He kept saying, "Why aren't you stopping this?" Yeah, and, and then you know, thank God the ref did stop because Larry wasn't even looking looking at Tyler. You could tell that you know this is two fights in a row now that we've seen Tyler Gerald's opponent one out of there. Yeah, before before it's even over, they're like. Stop this guy from hitting me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I think we know that Tyler's going to do big things. He's so raw and green in this sport, but he already looks sharp. He's already looking technical. And, and you know, his opponent, his teammates have been telling me, like, you still have no idea how good this guy is because he, he fought excited both times. They said he was out for so long after that first fight. This was almost like a debut again. Yeah, yeah. Uh and, you know, he's he's got the right people around him. He's got he's got some awesome coaches, awesome teammates. So he's got what he needs. And uh I think I think all he needs is just just more ring time. He's heading in the right direction. You know, he's calling out for title shots, especially in kickboxing, MMA. I think we're gonna see him climbing to the top quick. Because yeah. I really don't see many people in the top ten wanting to tangle with that guy. Right, he's he's probably going to climb the rankings just simply for people turning down fights with him. And you know, we've seen that happen before. And uh, you know, when he fought in that tournament, we had a lot of guys drop out of the tournament just because he was there. And then and then he ended up breaking his hand, and uh, he had to drop out of the tournament himself on the second night. And you know, we went from what like twelve guys to three uh, overnight, and. Uh, like some dudes just some guys just didn't show up. Like there were a lot of people just didn't show up. Tyler Gerald is one of those scary dudes that comes in and he kind of separates the wheat from the chaff. Like yeah, who's gonna, like if you really want to be a fighter, you got to get through this guy. And then people yeah. see him and are like, no, I don't want to be a fighter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you I would when you be that way. About... When I saw him, I'm like, I I don't think I'll ever fight. <laughs> He's one of those guys. He's kind of like. It reminds me of like a Tyson Fury, and you you look at him, and that, and then you start making the argument. Yeah, maybe we do need a new weight class in boxing. Maybe we <laughs> two hundred and up is a is a big range when you have a guy like that who's quicker than those smaller heavyweights. You know, he's he's just he's as quick as the cruiserweights out there, but he's coming in like six 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 seven, you know, three hundred pounds, and just mauling mauling people, and he's quicker than the little guys. I mean, that's you see guys like him, you're like, yeah. Maybe we should split boxing around 250 pounds for super heavyweight. But it takes away a little bit of the fun because you see a lot. These smaller guys are smart and they're quick and they're crafty. Yeah. And we saw like James Blankenship, he was able to play Matador against the big bull of Heath Griffith. Like you can see yeah. size doesn't mean everything in boxing. No, no, definitely not. I mean, you had Tyson. Tyson was what two twenty, and like and that. like what five nine, five yeah, 10? yeah, not even close to these guys' size. 
So we have the giant battle. You know, that was an epic moment on top of the mountain. We had two giants fight on top of a mountain. I think that's that's like a huge highlight in New Line history. Yeah. And, uh, you know, our next fight up, James Blankenship, Heath Griffith. You know, we've already, we've already talked about this one. Um, so we'll move on again. <laughs> we'll move on up to uh, our, well, this was about number 11 out of 13. Turned into it, ended up becoming our uh, co-main event. So uh, Zachary Craddock and Marvin Workman fought for the uh, NLC lightweight boxing title. This is this was an interim title fight. Uh, you know, Jacob Ray has held that title for a long time and hasn't defended it. And uh, so, you know, we, we had an interim title fight. Zach and Marvin stepped up, you know, 132-pound fight. And, uh, man, Marvin, uh, Marvin impressed me with his toughness this fight. We got to see a lot more of Zach's improvement because his last time out, you know, he knocked it, knocked his opponent out in like 12 seconds. So um this, this was a good fight to see, man. And and it's impressive seeing Zach cutting all this weight. You know, Zach was always fighting 155, 160, and he he fought some big dudes like uh when he fought Messer. And so I think Zach went up a weight class, fought up at uh was it one sixty five against Messer. Um, Messer was huge in that fight compared to Zach, so it was wild to see him dropping down to one thirty-five. Yeah, yeah, one thirty-two. This was one thirty-two title. Yeah, so that's even tougher. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't one thirty-two on fight day. <laughs> I'll tell you that he was probably one fifty fight day. Well, he he looked like you know on on you know day of the weigh-ins he looked like he'd had a tough cut. I yeah. was wondering how he would look, and he came out. And absolutely, let's just say it, he beat the brakes off Marvin for most of that fight. Yeah, Marvin had a good moment in the last round. He landed a he big re- body he, shot. Can we and, just say uh, Marvin Workman had a Marvin Workman moment in the last yeah. round? Because yep, he damn yep. near had, had Zachary out of there. Yeah. He had Zachary hurt really bad, and Zach had to dig deep mm-hmm. in order to win that belt. That was uh, definitely another impressive performance by Zach Craddock. And uh, I don't think Zach's lost a fight since, what, 2021 against uh, Ashton Cofield for the one uh, the 154 title, um, for the 152 title. And that was um, a decision. And Zach's, Zach hung tough in a tough fight there against a very yeah. dangerous opponent. Yeah, very dangerous. And then, you know, Cofield went pro right after that fight. So Yeah, and, and um, Cofield had a lot more fights than Zach at that point. Yeah, I think Zach was like two and one and Ashen was uh maybe what thirteen and one, fourteen and one, something like that. It just shows the kind of guts that a guy like Craddock has. Yeah, he'll fight it. Zach will fight anybody. He's he's got his sights set on Trevor Bell. Um, I tried, you know, kind of talking him out of that one. I was like, Zach, you know, that's that's like two weight classes up above where you're at. You know, you're fighting at 132. You got the 141, you know, division above you, then 152. You might want to might want to go after somebody on these lower weight classes. Uh, but I think he's in that uh, size. He's in that Conor McGregor mindset right now, dude. <laughs> yeah, he's ready. Like, it was if like he back fights Conor was still undefeated and he was like, you know, I think I might move up to heavyweight and fight Stipe. <laughs> yeah. That's Zach right now, man. 
But right now, Zach's looking really dangerous, and we, you know, yes. we may see him against Jacob Ray, or we may see him, uh, you know, if J- if Jacob Ray doesn't uh, doesn't fight Zach, then we're going to see Zach holding that title, defending it, and it's going to yeah. be tough for somebody at that weight to beat Zach, I believe. It is. It is going to be tough. Um, he's very long. He's very uh, rangy for that weight class, yeah. and he's an absolute dog. We've seen him in dog fights. He can go to war with just about anybody. Oh yeah, yeah. He doesn't shy away from a war. Um, and we've we've seen him several times in absolute wars. Come out of a fight victorious, you know. But you could tell he was in a fight. Um, so the next fight, the fight, yeah, the next fight, was not a fight. Yeah, just literally minutes, you know, before they were ready to walk out to the ring. Uh, so the this was the cruiserweight title fight: Chandler Carver, Austin Runyon, and. Uh, Austin the Runyon around the world had another Austin Runyon moment and uh, pulled out of the pulled out of the fight. You know, I, it was a crazy thing. That's one of those backstage stories that we always talk about. I was in the middle of commentating, and I I think I just interviewed Craddock, and I was walking back to the commentary table. And one of the commissioners just happened to see me. And I, I guess guys, you know, know I work with you. So they, they tell, they come up and tell me stuff. Yeah. This so right was actually, of- this actually was after the Blankenship fight when, when they told you this. Okay. The James Blank. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Cause I remember there was that massive gap in the pay-per-view. Anybody who's listening, that's watching the pay-per-view. That's what was going on. Um, after I interviewed Blankenship, I walked back, I was walking back. That commissioner comes up and he said, uh, Runyon's out. It's like, what? <laughs> he's like, yeah. Again? He's, uh, he's like, he's uh, <laughs> backstage. He said, he says he's sick and he can't do it. And yeah. I was like, does Keith know? And he's like, yeah, Keith, no. He's the promoter. I was like, no, does Keith know? No. And we went through that for about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like, does Keith know? And he's like, no, I, I haven't told anybody yet. So I went and found you, and that's yeah. what we deal with. <laughs> yeah, I think the first thing we did was went talked to the commission. They were like, "No, you said it. Is there time? Can can we fix this?" And he said, "No, it's off." We talked to both doctors. You know that yeah. one. That one the commissioner. He was like, you know, he's saying he's too sick to do it. The other doctors, he, yeah, he's. You know, I saw him throwing up. I think he's dealing with a little pre-fight nerves and stuff. Yeah, so, he said. Yeah, the doctor said he's not sick. He said it's nerves. And he said yeah. that I told him he could still go. He said, listen, man, like, you know, this is just pre-fight jitters. You know, I think you're okay to go if you want to go. But, uh, you know, kind of left it up to Austin. And Austin said, no, no, I'm not feeling it. So, And, and you know, that's the way it goes. He, he wasn't able to make the walk. So now we had to go tell Chandler Carver that this fight he's trained so hard for is not going to happen. This title fight he's worked for, for months and months, months and months and traveled hours, brought a lot of people there to see it. And, uh, this is a rain, man, that was, how did you feel? That's what I want to know as the promoter. How did you feel when I came up to you and told you Runyon's out, man, it was just, (laughs) Dude, it felt terrible. It felt terrible. And like I was just like, oh no, for for Chandler. Like I'm just thinking, oh no, I have to I like this is gonna crush Chandler. 
Absolutely going to crush Chandler. Like, I knew how bad it was going to be. That's why, like, I dude, I didn't even think about commentating. I was like, we got to go tell him. Yeah. And so we we talked to Chandler, and of course he was he was upset. You know, if you oh, work yeah. that hard for something, you're going to be mad. And yeah, uh, I think the only thing we could have done was we gave Chandler the belt. We walked out, we presented him with the belt, and declared him the champion. Yeah, it's because he he made the walk. He was there to fight. Runyon didn't make the walk, in my opinion. Like he's the winner. Well, this fight was scheduled once to happen before. Um, back in uh, October last year, um, similar thing. You know, Chandler. The fight the fight was on. Both got well. Like I guess Runyon was talking a little bit of smack online too, and. Uh, a lot of people were looking past Runyon. You know, like it's going to be an easy fight for Chandler. And then Runyon was all out. You know, he's going to prove everybody wrong. And even up to, like, fight day, it was making posts online. He's going to prove everybody wrong, going to come down. And, you know, and I, I don't – I can't remember if that was for a belt or not. I don't think so, actually. But he was going to prove all the doubters wrong. And, uh, you know, it comes, like, 6, 15, 6, 20, and the commission's like, hey, Keith, uh, you know, everybody's weighed in seen the doctor except for Austin Rennie. And I was like, oh, man, I haven't seen the guy. So I started trying to get a hold of him. Finally get, I finally reach him. That's when he said his girlfriend <laughs> broke up with him or sorry. He got into a fight with his girlfriend and just wasn't feeling it. Like, oh, my God. Really? But, yeah, just not feeling it. So, you know, so we, uh, we scrapped it. And that uh, was uh, how many hours before the fight that time? About four or five hours. I mean, Chandler had already been there and weighed in, seen the doctor and everything. That was like, you know, the crowd was already coming in. You know, we opened the doors to the public at six o'clock. Well, I think and, I remember I was sitting at the commentary table getting ready when I found out. Yeah. Yeah. We were about to go live on the pay per view. I think the pay per view. And was boy, go ahead. were you mad. Yeah, <laughs> you were so mad. I I think I remember exactly what you said to me. If I can say it on the air, so I was. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. You let everybody know why why it didn't come because him and his girlfriend That's had exactly little... what it was. I was like, I'm not. You were like, I can't repeat that. that. So like, I'm not going to shame this poor man. But now that he's done it again, I'll shame him a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um. He's, it's so crazy because he's had nine fights already. You know, it's, 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 it's not a like funny it's just... thing though, like in this sport, like how you earn respect. Like mm-hmm. if he would have made that walk, he could have knocked, got knocked out cold in the first round. He could have thrown up in the middle of the ring. He could, like, he could have done anything. Yeah. You make the walk and you try, and everybody would have respected you for it. Dude, if he would have came out and took a jab and 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 then took it, you know, like went down, I I would have had respect for him just for just for stepping in there. But you know, you you no show a fight and then you back out minutes before your next fight. Like, come on, man, it's so it crazy. Is he he fought Armani Belmont? Who's gonna? I mean, who's gonna go fight a twenty three and zero guy, but then back out from a three and one guy? Well, it, what it reminds me of is it's like writing a bad check or something. You know, you, yeah. you agree to fight. You say, I can do this. I'm going to fight for this title. I'm so fired up and you're posting on Facebook. You're talking trash. And then you can't do it. Like, yeah. 
I think that you, you, you have to have a certain amount of courage. You got to be able to practice what you preach. You got to back up the things you say in this game. Cause if you don't, you're going to get ran out of town on a rail. People yeah. are going to laugh at you. Mm-hmm. It's hard, but that's the truth. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just can't see somebody doing that. I mean, I don't know. I just couldn't I mean, see like myself. You were a fighter, that. dude. I was a fighter. Like it's like, it's hard. It's hard. Like it's it's hard to have any respect mm-hmm. for it because like you know you 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 agree to take that fight you make the walk you're not gonna yeah. always feel good you're not gonna always be feeling it you're not gonna feel like you're ten feet tall every fight yeah we well, remember one time I, it, I almost fought I almost fought two weeks after like having COVID, or a week after having COVID I was gonna go through with it but well, dude, I was in Huntington I carried a. a I was like carrying some water up the steps and then I was completely out of breath. Like when I got upstairs and I was supposed to follow well, William, William Myers in two days. How huh? many great fighter? how many great fighters and how many champions do you know that have these stories that were like biggest fight of my life and all this went wrong. All this shit went wrong. I shouldn't have fought. It was crazy. And yeah. then they went and then I fought, uh, they make history. I fought Jeremy Chapman. Uh, I think two weeks after getting a hernia. So I had no business in the ring, but I was like, I'm not pulling out of this fight. And then I was, I was scheduled to fight William Myers January of last year. I caught COVID a week before the fight. And, uh, I was like, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to go ahead and fight. And, uh, and I just, I remember it was like the timing of it worked out perfect. I was carrying some stuff up the stairs and like, I got literally just from the first floor to the second floor, carrying a 24 bag of water. I got to the second floor and I was, dead my legs were done i couldn't breathe i was like dude this this fight all i wasn't even thinking about quitting i was just thinking this fight's gonna suck yeah and, dude, uh, that was my last then, fight same exact and then feeling. well, well here, like, here's what happened bad. here's what happened this it kind of worked out for me because i got up there it's like I, 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 I was dead and then ding, my phone goes off it's like what's this jeremy browning hey man any chance you can get me on that fight card it's like as a matter of fact, if you want to take my place, you can. I was like, if if you don't want to do it, I'll I'll fight. But if, if you want on, you can fight William Myers. And he's like, put me in, coach. <laughs> it's like you got and the rest fight. was history. Rest was history, and I was like, I'll just fight him next month or whatever. And uh, so I, I rescheduled my fight with William for like what six weeks after that. And uh, I would have paid a lot of money to see you fight him that sick. Oh, dude, that would have been bad. <laughs> it would have made it a lot more interesting though yeah it would have been a closer fight <laughs> but uh but man like that that's what i'm saying like it's it's hard to imagine having a title shot and just like walking away from it to me like yeah that's what so many guys are working for yeah but well, i see, guess we i guess we've shamed austin runyon enough yeah one yep. podcast. I guess Moving it's time on. to move on to the main Moving event. On. The main event, yeah. The crowning of the heavyweight king. Is this our first new line heavyweight pro boxing championship fight? First time. First time, yeah. That's what I thought. So our inaugural heavyweight champion, Jeremy Karshner. We talked a little bit about this earlier in the podcast, but I think we got to talk a little about it again. Mm-hmm. Yep. So... This meant this fight meant a lot to both guys. I mean, this was a big thing for both for both for both guys here. 
Well, you know, Alex was originally scheduled to fight the one-eyed wolf, Rob Perez, and then the uh, West Virginia Athletic Commission did not approve the fight. Uh, they said Rob didn't have enough amateur fights. They said that you cannot hours. you cannot bring a human-wolf hybrid into the ring. They said right. it's against the rules. Right. They said that so, we can't have wolfmen fighting in West Virginia. Yeah. There's too much liability. Well, that's a new rule because they've been having wolfmen fight here for 200 years, and then they make this rule. It was a cultural thing for a long time, wolfman fights. Well, I mean, if you were, if you think back, 1896, wolfman versus mothman. And, well, that's probably, honestly, and that's that probably when, pays. That's when mothman killed wolf, killed the first wolfman. Yeah, but they, uh, you know, they didn't want any wolfman redemption, and they outlawed it, so... So Perez has to fight in other places like Kentucky, Ohio, Vermont. Other like there's only certain states that allow wolf wolf hybrids to fight in the ring, and uh, West Virginia is no longer one of those states. And you know it's really about safety. Yeah, because you just don't know what's going to happen. Like you no, put you a wolf know. man in there against Alex Davis, and you just don't know. You, you don't, don't know, know what if he's going to go rabid. You just don't know. You never know. So, so, uh, in comes, well, then we, you know, we had Jeremy Karchner also scheduled for a pro MMA fight with, um, with, uh, William Honaker. No, <laughs> William Holtzclaw. <laughs> yeah, shout out, shout out to William Honaker. What up, William Honaker? <laughs> Sorry, bro. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> we do, we do miss him. He was a uh, part of the, of, of a very legendary interview. Um, oh my god time. you know i forget about that and then they kind of people mention that and it comes back to me <laughs> yeah we're gonna have to uh reshare that or maybe just clip out the uh the music part and share that because that was a the world premiere of ricardo rodriguez's <laughs> that really song. was a, a kind of sad for william though because <laughs> it's supposed to be his big interview and we just hijacked it <laughs> um well, and that, we that, probably, that you know interview what's, is... you know what's even sadder though like i promised him i like dude we'll do a real interview i'm sorry and we've <laughs> never done one <laughs> we owe we owe that to him sorry william <laughs> this will make my next public apology william william <laughs> honaker william honaker i'm sorry <laughs> we've sorry. had a lot of apologies to doing this one sorry um, so Jeremy Karshner and, uh, Holtzclaw was, uh, was another fight denied by the commission. So, you know, we had two pro heavyweight fights denied. Like, Hey, let's, uh, you know, let's talk let's to these put guys. the dogs both, in there together. Yeah, That's what we they, said. They both wanted the fight. So we made the fight happen, made it for a title. Both men were deserving. You know, Alex 3-0-1 as a pro. Karstner's coming in, was coming in on a five-fight winning streak, all knockouts. So, like, uh, let's let's make it happen. And uh happened it did. The main event. Um so I mean, this was a this was a looking like it was gonna be an absolute dog fight, an absolute war. And uh Alex was playing the you know, the long game, he was wanting the fight to go, you know, go to uh, round three, round four, 
because he knew he knew Karsner was a fast starter. So he was he was hoping to uh hoping for Karsner to gas out and uh and then uh, do work late in the fight. Karsner was looking in the fight early because he knows Alex gets more dangerous as the we've already talked about this. Alex gets dangerous the deeper it goes. So um but uh I mean it was just unfortunate how it ended. You know, it wasn't you know, it was and well, I, Alex, I, don't I don't think it was necessarily a bad ending to the fight, though, because like you see, it was like cumulative damage. That's what yeah. the story of that fight was. Like Alex, you know, sitting there live, you you watch a fight on the pay per view. It's a lot different than being there ringside. Those shots that Karshner was landing were bombs. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely. I don't know how Alex took a lot of them. Yeah. Like that's the thing, Alex showed a lot of heart in that fight because, like, a lot of people would have been on the canvas. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A lot of people have been on the canvas from those fights or from those shots before. Well, you know, Karsner's knocked out six guys in a row now. That's yeah. a big deal. Mm-hmm. In any six sport. professional, <laughs> yeah, six professional, professional knockouts. Six, what first and second round knockouts? I think in everyone. Yeah. yeah. That's a hell of a streak. Oh, yeah. That's a streak people are going to take notice of. Oh, yeah. He's probably going to start getting some phone calls for some uh, some bigger fights. So, I'm looking at well, it Well, you now. know, Alex was First round, second round, first, second, second, second. Yeah, so all early. I think that's wins. one of the more unfortunate parts of that fight. It knocked Alex out of a opportunity to be on ESPN. Yeah. Yeah, but that that's big, the way uh, it goes. And yeah. now, now you see Karshner's going to be the man getting those calls. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. think we've both had breakdowns on this episode. We've had a lot of breakdowns. Yep. I'm pretty proud of it. I think we had a pretty <laughs> good card. Yeah, it was a good card. Uh, looking forward to the next one. Uh, we've got a lot, a lot coming up. So um, we've pretty much got something every month from now so to the end of the year. What's, what's next? Well, Next, we've got uh, so we're we're off in April. We've got uh, May thirteenth at Bridgeport, primarily an MMA event uh, in Bridgeport, West Virginia. We're in the cage uh, at, the, at the Bridge Sports Complex, Bridgeport, West Virginia. Uh, so far, we've got twelve fights matched up for that one, and then after that, we're in Lexington, Kentucky, at Rupp Arena, June tenth. Um, you know, home of the UK Wildcats basketball team, but uh, June tenth. MMA and kickboxing. And then uh working on we're working on something for July back in West Virginia. Then uh nothing set in stone there. Um you just August gotta 5th. promise me that you don't wear your WVU stuff into the rep arena. I, you know, honestly, I don't know if I have any WVU stuff. It was all you better shut up. All these thinner. Morgantown people are gonna cancel their tickets. <laughs> I think uh well, no, I got fat, dude. I, I think I outgrew. I had a lot of WVU stuff, and I, I'm pretty sure I outgrew everything. Now, I think I have a hoodie, maybe. I don't know. I got to go look. You need um, to start decking, decking yourself yeah. out in UK blue. <laughs> so, August you're, 5th. You're a Kentucky man now. Mm-hmm. August 5th, we are at Catlisburg, Kentucky, for uh, another MMA kickboxing event. Now, whereabouts is that? Uh, it's near Ashland, Boyd County. Boyd County Community Center. So, like 10 minutes outside of Huntington. So, it's between Huntington and uh, 
Moorhead. Oh, that's interesting. So we're going to have a little bit of Kentucky and a little bit of West Virginia. That's right. That's right. Then uh, it's a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll. Um, Which one's which? That's what I want to know. It flip-flops back and forth. I I don't know. (laughs) So then, uh, you know, that was August. September 23rd, we're back at Rupp in uh, Lexington for another kickboxing MMA event. Uh, November working on, uh, working on an event for Wayne, West Virginia, still hashing out some details on this one. Uh, December 9th back in Rupp for another MMA kickboxing event. Yeah. That's you're going to, you're going to start seeing a lot of, uh, Rupp arena shows from Wayne. Wayne. That's where they filmed Wayne's world, right? Correct. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, then uh you know that's that's what we have that's the that's the uh calendar for 2023 and sounds like we're busy yeah i know we're uh nine months out from the end of the year but we're already looking into 24 uh into some new some new cities and some uh some places we've been before so getting busy looking uh looking at doing the next year you know the year after this we're going to be going to the moon no that's not true. That's gonna. That's 2026. We're not going to the moon in 2024 or 25 okay. for that matter. We gotta have time to uh, build the rocket. Yeah. Um. I mean, we're still in the helicopter phase. So. We're 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 still in the truck cage phase. Yeah, we haven't. We haven't. Honestly, we're very very early stages in the blueprints of the uh, rocket ship cage. So. Once we, you know, we're still developing that, you know, it's a rocket ship that unfolds into a cage and then refolds it back into a rocket ship. And, uh, we're still, we're still working on that one. So we're going to need at least three years. And the astronaut food's just so expensive. We got to figure out how to budget it all. Yeah. We can't, we can't do this with steel. It's got to be all aluminum. So an aluminum cage. So, um, a lot of hard plastics too. And you know, the budgeting, for scientists, we've only got like three rocket scientists on, on staff right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Eric Vaughn is, is the head of all of them, and he's so in over his head, you wouldn't believe it. Yeah, we've had to bring Steve Walden back to assist in design. He's um, doing all our uh, all our equations and the algorithms. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We got Steve in a lab coat in the basement. <laughs> So we should be on the moon by 2026. Yeah. Um, it We had a little setback because uh, our laboratory was not close enough to a bar. And it was and, filled uh, with uh, asbestos. Yeah. So Steve threw an absolute fit and we had to <laughs> relocate the lab next door to the American Legion. He, and, he had uh, a flare up of mesothelioma again and yeah. we had to wait for him to recover. Yeah, but we're you know we're back to running. We're developing the rocket ship cage, and uh, you know we'll get there. Well, I guess now we know what the future holds. Yep. Mountain Dreams Media working on their long range uh, missiles. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna invade North Korea. <laughs> well, I was gonna talk about their their. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta we gotta be able to beam this pay-per-view from the moon <laughs> yeah so you're telling me they're gonna film it from earth 
<laughs> no. That no. sounds expensive, man. We gotta shoot we gotta shoot this uh video feed. We're gonna shoot the pay per view live from the Hubble telescope. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we got quite the, the zoom on that lens. Dude, I, I think moon fights. That's the way to go. No gravity. You just have them out there in space suits. Yeah. Going after it. Mm-hmm. We would lose the occasional fighter, like, drifting off into, like, deep space, though. Yeah. Well, we've been um, doing some tests, and, and it looks more so like pillow fights is the way to go on the moon. And, uh, I think we got to start bringing some pillow fights this year to NLC. What do you think about that? It's coming. I told you, find me some regulation size pillows. You said we'll use hotel pillows. <laughs> I said they need to be regulation, Elijah. No, we can't let my boss hear us say that I'm using hotel pillows. We will not use <laughs> hotel pillows. We will buy pillows. I will what he meant, what work. he meant was that the ho- the pillows at the hotel are what we need. And we need to find them online. I would never steal pillows from my work. Never. He would never do that. Anyways, what's next, man? I think we've about petered out. We've probably recorded a three-hour podcast here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we pretty much covered it. We've got all the dates set up. You know, we've covered all the fights. We've covered truck cage. We've covered truck or we've covered rocket cage. Yeah. We've covered the helicopter transportation covered steve walden's new journey as a scientist so i think we've pretty much covered it all you know joe perry did a hell of a job writing this one yeah thanks joe thanks for always writing our uh our script for, for the podcast keeping us, keeping us on track uh, you know it's weird that he put this <clears throat> part in yeah oh he's always got to plug himself in there a little bit <laughs> we do mention him every show oh man Joe's our boy, though. Ladies and and Joe's fighting in Bridgeport coming up in just about a month. Yep, our, he's, uh, he's back. He and is he's back. Got the scariest fight poster picture I've ever seen. Oh my gosh, he does. I I'm excited. I'm excited for that one. I saw he's it and I fighting. thought, oh my god, dude, Ronnie <laughs> Schultz is fighting Bigfoot. Yeah, he's fighting one of my old. Yeah, he's it's a rematch with Ronnie Schultz, who is a one of my former teammates at Logan High School on the football team, where I was the punter, and, uh, and Ronnie was a fullback slash middle linebacker. Um, I'm really interested to see the rematch because I think both guys have gotten a lot better. Yeah, yeah. Joe's been working really hard, and you know Ronnie was really green in that first fight, and he had this weird thing where he forgot to throw punches. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to <laughs> he was trying to pin Joe against the cage and get him there. Like, all right, what? Now? I think he was just so nervous, man. Like, yeah. it, it, every everything we'd worked on, kind of he forget. He's like, he forgot it, man. He was. He's like, I could do so much better. So that's like they were. Joe was cool enough to be like, yeah, I'll run it back with you. Yeah, and so here we go again. Yep. I mean, dude, Ronnie's probably not been in a fight since. Junior high, he gets along with everybody. <laughs> I don't know. He was beating the shit even... out of me in the gym, man. <laughs> He's that an absolute dude, powerhouse. He has a lot of power. That's the thing about Ronnie. Like, you know, he he's a little wooden still because he's so new. But like, when he hits you, you feel it. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's 
I mean, I would say he's got a lot of potential, but he's also really close to retirement age, too, so. Oh, yeah, he's geriatric. He's an old man. Grandpappy Bronny. So he'll be in Bobby Johnson's league here soon. I think that's uh, what we got to do. we got to have a showdown between the old man, have Ronnie and Bobby fight for supremacy. Yeah, I like it. Well, everybody, uh, thanks for uh, tuning in. And uh, we got a lot coming up. Stay tuned. Thanks. Well, we did it.